Hello, hello. How is everyone doing? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I think uh, people are pretty excited about uh, this topic. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm John Habib. For those who do know me, I'm sorry I have to speak in front of you. Um, so this topic gets a lot of people really excited, right? Just read that word and just stare at it for a little while and just feel the emotions you normally feel. The smiling faces say it all. Excitement, that's what you normally feel. No, no one really feels excited about it. No one, everyone feels a mix of emotions. It could be anger, you know, fear. It could be a lot of things. And a lot of us want to wonder what it's, what it's going to be like. We wonder, are we going to be ready for it? I want to give you one person's perspective about how they feel about dying. Everybody watch this movie? Anybody know The Terminator? You're like, why am I putting this up? Why am I putting this up? So The Terminator, who hasn't seen a Terminator movie? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple people. There's no judging here. This is all okay. Just curious, just to know how relevant this is. Okay, everyone knows Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, I can't pronounce his name. Forgive me. So he was on a show, and he decided to talk about his view. Again, just one person's view. Let's listen to it. Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid of death. I am. I'm just off about it. Yes. Because, I mean, especially I think when you have a life like we have, yes. and then one day it's over, mm. I mean, that really off. Governor, where are we going to go when we die? Be honest with us. Well, the truth us. is that we go six feet under. That's and it? And we're going to rot there. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's it. I it's thought you were going to tell me to be uplifting. No, today. but that's, that's the reality. That's how you welcome and me to LA? Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> yes. there, there is a life after this, and we all know it's going to be different. If there's a life after this, I hope it, it there is a life one, after this. Well, it's not going to be like this. I'm not going to sit after we are dead. We're not going to sit here like this and do interviews and have a great time and have oh. laughs and have Robin there, you know, giving us this Robin. beautiful smile right. all the time. Robin I mean, won't no, be there? No. So, I mean, this will be different. <laughs> Worms Maybe there will be angels us. sitting around. Maybe Nothing. there will be God there smacking us every time we say something, a four-letter word or something like that, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a, whatever. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it, it is upsetting. And I cannot stand it. I Are you not, angry about it? I'm so angry about it. Me too. I'm furious about it. Me too. I'm telling you. Can't we do something? No, but that's mm. why you and I are so much alike. I know. Because we, want to be, we, want, we want to be the only ones that will live forever. Anyone ever seen that video before? You ever heard that perspective of Arnold's, the Terminator? Makes you think, right? Makes you think. Just wanted to give that perspective just so we can think. But Christians should feel differently. Christians should feel differently because we get to live another day. Something that should give us some satisfaction. Now you guys know the, the, this meeting, we call it the eight, and I want to give your mind a thought for a moment about the eight. As you know, we have seven days of the week. A lot of us get really busy and wish we could just have another day. Right? So what do we call the day after the seventh day? The first day again? Well, the way that we look at 
our life is that we look at Christ as having resurrected on the eighth day. And why do we care about the number eight? If you think about creation, God created the world seven days, six days, and then seventh day he rested. So what day are we living in right now? The seventh day. And what's the day when we go into the afterlife, after judgment day? What day is that? It's the eighth day. So the number eight thinks, lets us remember heaven. And if you look in the Bible, how many people were raised, not rose, were raised from the dead? Can you guess? Eight. Eight people. Elijah raised one. Elisha raised two. St. Peter and St. Paul each raised one. And Christ raised three. So the number eight has a significance. So I think it's quite fortuitous that I'm speaking at the eight about this subject. Right? And we talk about the eight as being a place for renewal. And that's why I just want to bring to your mind the purpose of this meeting and the idea behind it. But we talked about what was just celebrated in the Orthodox Church on Thursday. What did Abuna say? The Ascension. And all today and throughout the last 40 plus days, we've been celebrating resurrection and ascension. But what really happened that is re relevant to my eternal life? What really happened? What happened before Christ? Where did people go when they died? Hades. So wait, good people like David and Abraham and just think about all these good people in the Old Testament. They didn't go and live with God after they died? I'll tell you, many of you here, it's an easy answer. But there are many out there, especially from other different denominations of Christianity, that have a lot of trouble with the answer to that question. It's an interesting thing that I found when I would go around and ask people this question. Most of them would just say, heaven. So I would say, well, what was the purpose of Christ's coming? So before, as we know, Christ's, before Christ, heaven was blocked to us. We didn't have access to heaven. Everyone who died lived away from God since the fall of Adam and Eve. And then afterwards, Christ trampled death by his death, resurrected and ascended, and now everyone has access through Christ to live in heaven, to live in paradise. Now, you guys all probably know most of this. So let's get into the good stuff. How prevalent are afterlife accounts? Okay, great. The door is open. People can now go. But how do you really know what happens after you die? Okay, maybe you've heard a story or two, and maybe you've seen a movie or a video or something here or there, read a book, who knows. But how prevalent are these things? Well, let's start with the scripture and parables. And we'll talk about the early church. 
These are just little samples of how prevalent afterlife experiences or afterlife stories are in Scripture. You guys know Lazarus and the rich man parable, right? Lazarus lived a hard life, very poor, he died. Christ is telling the story, and he's saying he went to Abraham's bosom after he died, and he lived a life after death free of torment. But then there was this other guy, this rich man, whose life was filled with the world. He died. He was tortured, he said, in Hades. And he sought relief from torment. So he's asking Abraham, please do something. And Abraham's answer, there's a great gulf fixed between the two of us so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. Interesting. We have another story, the rich fool. Again, Christ tells this parable. The rich fool was spending much of his life doing what? What Abuna say t- today about uh, finances? He said it's not about the money, it's about the heart. Well, this rich person was... His heart was dedicated to storing up treasures. That was his end. It wasn't his means, like Abuna was saying. And so while he's storing up his treasures, he died with his treasures treasures stored. And then what happened? Did he get to take any of it with him? Nope. And what was said in the parable? Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you've provided? All this stuff you've stored, what was its purpose? Here, God is giving us afterlife experience stories in the, in the, in the, in the means of parables. But aside from parables, we have people who lived and experienced afterlife in various ways. If you look at Paul, St. Paul had a vision of paradise, not just a vision, he was caught up and actually experienced paradise while alive. What are you talking about? What Bible are you reading, John? Same Bible everyone else is reading. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast, St. Paul says. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man, and here the early fathers expound on this and say he's speaking humbly and not trying to mention himself specifically, similar to what St. John the Beloved did when he mentions himself without mentioning his name in the Gospel of John and otherwise. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I don't know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven, into paradise, and heard inexpressible words. So far, you're starting to get a sense there's more prevalence of this subject in Scripture. We have the story about the eight that were raised from the dead. We talked about that. We also have, did you know, at the time of Christ's crucifixion, graves were opened, it says. And many bodies of the saints 
who had fallen asleep were raised. Did anyone ever notice that? Who here has noticed this in Scripture? I'm just curious. One, two, three, don't be shy, a few nodding heads. Maybe most of you haven't noticed. Make me feel better that I'm saying something you don't know. Um, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And then what, is it, what does it say after the resurrection? It says, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. People today are like, apparitions, saints appearing, what is that about? It's biblical. This is not, it's not new, it's biblical. And here, again, these people are appearing after death and having these stories. Even in the early church, there was an early church bishop, an overseer of a particular city, very early on in the church's history. And he talks about how even it was common people would come back from the dead in the early church period. He said, being able to raise the dead as the Lord raised them and the apostles did by means of prayer, this has been frequently done in the brotherhood on account of some necessity. The entire church in that particular locality and treating with much fasting and prayer that the spirit of the dead man has returned and he has been bestowed in answer to the prayers of the saints. And then he goes on and talks about how it's odd that people criticize this idea who do not even believe this can possibly be done. So this concept is scriptural. It's happened in the early church and it's continued to happen for many, many, many years up into and including this day where people are exposed to or learn about what happens after death. So it is prevalent. But then the question is, okay, what's the purpose then? Fine. I'll take you at your word. It's prevalent. But is it worthwhile to even look at it further? I'm just good. Let me just do good with God, and I'll trust in the same, and whatever happens, happens. Maybe that's good. Or maybe you're like me, and I was very curious about the subject, and you want to know more. So... I'll say why Scripture points to its purpose. If you recall, I was talking about Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man who was living in torments in Hades after death, he also does something interesting. He knows he can't get out of it. So he tells Abraham, could you please have Lazarus go to my living relatives and tell them what to watch out for? so that they don't end up like me? This is Christ telling a parable. And do you know what the response was? Does anybody recall what the response was? What was the response? What's that? that that's right. That's right. Perfect. So he goes, I beg you, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. And the response was, they have Moses, they have the prophets, they have the Bible, Scripture. The rich man, he knows he has access to Scriptures. He knows they have access to Scriptures. But he says again, please, Abraham, please, and then the response was, 
But no, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. Surely, surely they're going to repent. And then Abraham said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even if one comes back to them from the dead. So what's the purpose of all of this, this series that we're going to talk about today's conversation is repentance. So that we live a life so that at its end, we look back and say, this end was worth the way I lived. The reason I got very interested in this subject is one day I had to confront my own wrong path. And I read one afterlife account and I imagine being in that person's shoes, dealing with what some, the subject we'll talk about the next time, but confronting his actions. And I knew if I showed up in that same spot that I would have nothing, nothing that would merit my entry to live with God. I had everything to detract from it. So the purpose is repentance, to live a life that's different. And watch, therefore, as Christ tells us, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We know that God tells us to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And in the epistle of St. John, it says, when he appears, we want to have what? Confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And I'll share with you one other thing before we get into something a little bit more um, tangible. So there's a bishop, his name is St. Gregory of Nyssa, this early church bishop. He also wanted to speak about very difficult subjects that there wasn't really an answer to directly in Scripture necessarily. And so what he said when he was proposing to talk about the subject, he said, in view of the difficulty the subject proposed, I venture to assert that it is not right to omit the examination which is within the range of our ability, nor to leave the question here raised without making inquiries or having any ideas about it. Because the stories are prevalent, because we know they're out there, and because I, I would say to you it's worthwhile to pursue the stories for our own repentance, let's go through it. Now you're going to, I'm going to make this talk short. We're going to end with a subject. We're going to end with one story, but I've got to set the story up. I, like Abuna, have to catch a flight, so forgive me that I'm ending earlier than normal. Um, so there's a miracle. Many of you may have already known about this miracle. Maybe many, many of you have heard of it, but never seen it. Maybe none of you have heard it at all. So there's a bishop recently uh, who lived recently, died recently. There was a miracle that happened at the time of his death. It was on video. And the miracle correlates to an afterlife experience. Okay? Let me just tell you a little about where he's from so you have just some context. So this is Egypt. And he's from a city 
near but not exactly where the ancient capital of Egypt is. Anybody know where the ancient capital of Egypt is? What's that? Luxor. It's not Cairo. It's not Alexandria. It's, it's Luxor. It used to be called Thebes. He lived near there in a city. He was the bishop of a city called Enna. Okay? Now, this next video I'm going to show you was done by uh, an American um, a journalist or, or American video um, like filmmaker who was interested about um, video uh, miracles and other things. And so he put a lot of things about miracles. And this is a video clip from that um, video, the, the DVD if you want. It's called Visions and Miracles. Um, so I'm going to show you the video. Let's watch it. Then I'll tell you the backstory that isn't exactly exposed in this video. distant town of Kenna, in the far reaches of Upper Egypt, Bishop Makarios made a special request. He had not been feeling well as of late. Indeed, a year earlier he had nearly died of a heart attack. He had received a message from the Virgin Mary when he almost died. She told him he would not die until he consecrated the new church. His request was related to the Virgin Mary's revelation. He wanted to make a videotape made of the entire service because this was the day he was going to die. The local priest started the ceremony and then after a while Bishop Makarios took over. Continuing with the service the bishop seemed to be chanting energetically moved by the spirit of the ancient church service that he had performed hundreds of times before. Then something happened. More than an hour into the demanding service, Bishop Makarios fell dead at the altar. Here in slow motion is the death of Bishop Makarios, the one he predicted would happen. But the bishop's death wasn't the only thing miraculous on this day. Take a look again at the slow motion fall of the bishop. This footage clearly shows a tiny white hand pushing the sacrament bread back onto the altar so it won't drop to the ground. Bishop Sherabim is now the Bishop of Kenna, replacing the late Bishop Makarios. He gladly discussed this incredible miracle that was captured on videotape. About a year before his death, Bishop Makarios nearly died of a heart attack. As he was dying, the Virgin Mary appeared to him and kept him alive. She said he had to live another year to ordain this church, and that is what happened. As he was serving liturgy, he began to pass away, and as he was falling backwards, a small hand came up to put the body back on the altar. The hand appeared so that the body of Christ would not fall to the floor. And we see it clearly in the slow motion of the video. Several months before his death, Bishop Makarios had a coffin prepared. 
On the day of his death, a letter written by the bishop was found in the coffin, recounting what the Virgin Mary had told him, predicting the exact date he would die. And he did die on that date. Since his death, dozens of people have prayed at his grave, and seven miracles from those prayers have been attributed to the Bishop of Kenna, the man accompanied by angels as he died. Who here has seen that video? Raise your hand. Few of us, few of us. Um, if you noticed, he said, the bishop who spoke, that Bishop Macarius asked for a coffin to be brought to church that day and to have it ready because he was going to die that day. And inside the coffin, when they opened it, they found that there was a letter that explained that he knew the day of his death and what was happening prior. So let me tell you the backstory and sort of what was in that letter so you're aware. Again, how can a guy predict his death? The day he's going to die. And then on the same day that he dies, this miraculous occurrence happens. To me, this is a very strong attestation for the fact that the afterlife exists, that we can trust this man's word. But I'll give you the backstory. So prior to his death, the following things happened. Remember, they kept mentioning a heart attack. So that, that heart attack happened about a year prior. And uh, a very saintly nun named Mother Irini tells this story. So he had a heart attack. It was about 1 a.m. when he actually died. They said he, he, he was close to death. No, he died. And he talks about how he felt pain as his spirit left his body. He felt like it was like a heavy weight. It was a very heavy thing. And you can imagine leaving this earthly, just gravity, leaving the earthly pains, leaving the body that's having a heart attack, and your spirit exits, and it's now free and clear from the body's limitations and from earthly limitations. So he noticed, one of the first things he noticed was he's now looking at his body in bed and he's out here. And that whole experience of seeing your double, seeing yourself outside of yourself, is one of those things that commonly is spoken about after death. So he noticed this, and then angels and other previously departed monks, very famous ancient monks, St. Anthony the Great, St. Macarius the Great, Abba Bohomios, Abba Shnur the Archimandrite, all famous, famous early church uh, monastics. They were present along with angels. And then his spirit, accompanied by these angels and saints, were embarking on this journey away from this world. And then as they were proceeding, the mother of God appeared and told them all to go back. And then everyone that was with them, plus St. Mary, were all now back in the room where he died. And Bishop Macarius, while still in his spirit, and he's seeing his body in the room, hears the following prayer by St. Mary. She says, My great God, the Almighty, if it is your will, 
Just look at the humility. If it is your will, let the spirit of Abba Makarios return to his flesh, because he asked me that he does not repose until he consecrates the church that he is building in my name. Isn't that beautiful? And look how she speaks to, to her son. Still her God. She recognizes that it is only his will that will be done. We don't see St. Mary as God. We see her as an intercessor to her God and our God. Everyone heard a response from God. And the response was, Amen, so be it. And then everyone paid heed. And the angels that were present helped put the spirit of Abba Makarius back in his body. Now, who was present to see and to know this story? Bishop Makarius. That's why he wrote it in a letter, and he put it in the coffin, and that's what we end up finding out. And as he was being put back in his body, he felt a tremendous amount of pain. Again, he was free and clear, and all of a sudden now, he has the weight of the world and its limitations back and imposed on him. I want to share this more of as, a, as, a, as an introduction to the concept of death why it's worth looking at, why it's worth looking into, and I want to draw your minds to hopefully be excited about the next part of the series. We're gonna really delve into some of the things you heard here about angels being present, and we'll focus on also what it means to have to face our actions and confront all of the things that we've done. Next series, we'll do that, God willing. Uh, glory be to God forever. Amen. Any questions before we continue, before I end here? Any questions? Any comments? Okay. Let's uh, stand up for prayer. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be present here. Please, O oh Lord, help us to do what is well-pleasing in your sight. Through the intercession of St. Mary and all the saints, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.